Hello, citizens of the comedy film nerds universe, it's the dark exciting. universe. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> comedy film nerds, dark universe. It's dark universe, Chris. That's what we're going to oh. be talking about today. Oh, episode 374, 374. is risen from the dead. It is. It's going to be mummy-tastic. It's going <laughs> to be so yeah. mummified. We took this so. episode and we wrapped it. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah, took all the organs out. Took all the organs Put them in out. jars. Did a weird ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it rose up from your backyard, and yeah, here it, it is. Did. <laughs> and then it, it somehow managed to make other zombies. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Doesn't make any know. sense, but we're excited um, to talk about it. So we're going to be talking about The Mummy. We're going to be talking about It Comes at Night. We're going to be uh, talking about, ooh, the trailers of Black Panther and Cars 3. Oh, shit. And a couple cool DVDs. And, uh, coming, and what's coming out this week? Excited so, for that John Wick Chapter Two DVD. You I know what? To talk about that. It's yeah, yeah. It's one of those movies that uh, I missed when it came out. I want to see it though. <laughs> I, I'm into John Wick. I yeah. feel like. Anyway, we'll save that for later yeah. in the show. <laughs> um, but should we talk about the Patreon? We should talk about the Patreon, you guys. So we've you've we got... hit that first goal. Thank you so much. You've which, stemmed the bleeding. You've stemmed the bleeding, <laughs> which means we are going to be doing two spoiler eps a month. Mm-hmm. We will do a mummy spoiler ep. Yep. And uh, while we're still angry, while we're still, <laughs> yes, while we're <laughs> seething rage. Oh, God, I saw that movie like Thursday or Friday and I'm still mad. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> here's what we're going to do, guys, uh, just as a little extra bonus to the Patreon backers. We're the, the uh, mummy spoiler up will drop on iTunes for everybody to listen on Thursday morning. Uh-huh. Uh, but we'll put the mummy spoiler up. You'll get it early if you're uh, a Patreon backer. What level, Graham? What do you think? <laughs> um, <laughs> Should we make that ten dollar tier more valuable? Well, the, <laughs> let's, let's be nice. We'll do five. We'll do five. All the right. Five dollar level. You've sold me. So the five dollar people, you're going to get it if you go to Patreon. Uh, you know, you'll hear it later, quickly today. Today being June thirteenth. Tuesday. Tuesday, June thirteenth. It will drop. Mm. And also, uh, those of you uh, on the five dollar levels, your name is in the credits. Yeah. Get the credits of the YouTube video. So go to mm-hmm. youtube.com slash comedy film nerds and you can see your mm-hmm. name in the uh, credits. That's a cool thing. That's one of the things you get the $5 level. It's awesome. And, and it really helps us grow the company. Like you said, we uh, the first thousand kind of uh, stem the bleeding from uh, earbuds. The next thousand will actually stabilize us and able, uh, enable us to hire the part time employee so we can create more content and clean up some of the content that we have. Uh, on the mm-hmm. site and uh, start to do some improvements and um, upgrades. In addition, guys, obviously we want to produce and direct and make more feature films. That's the yes. big goal. We also want to put up more short-form content on the uh, on the uh, YouTube page. And every uh, tier, every goal on Patreon gets us closer to those uh, things. And uh, so the next one is the part-time employee that can help out with all the Everything from the shipping to uh, running the company on the day-to-day operational basis. Yeah. So, um, getting me vegan smoothies and get and getting Graham vegan smoothies. It's a, it, it's a worthwhile goal. Help <laughs> us get there. So we're at about we're at about a, a little over a thousand right now. We need to get to that uh, two thousand. And like we said, look, if you don't have ten, you don't have five. One or two helps. And Anything it's all, helps. It's really awesome how you guys have uh, been supporting the show. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's 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 a cool thing, and we're we're and happy to put. And as we did, we've released the whole, so the whole video, so the this regular episode, the whole video of it, you can only see that on Patreon. Right. Um, and we release clip, cl- clips, obviously for free, on the uh, YouTube channel. Aaron, our producer, just gave me the uh, international symbol for. Put your face closer to the microphone. <laughs> it always looks like he's doing the air mask thing on planes, like oh, right. cover or your or your hand stinks or put, something. <laughs> now he's making weird hand gestures. I don't know what he's doing. He's lost. His put shit. your mask on before your child. Yeah, that's yes, what he's exactly. doing. Exactly talking to your microphone before your child. Um, well, let's uh, let's introduce our guest. Let's introduce our guest. First time, First time guest. guest. Yes, and uh, a filmmaker. Filmmaker uh, made many many films. Uh, specializes in the genre of horror. Uh, however, did work with Angelina Jolie on a uh, drama. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, director of The Stand, if we remember correctly. And um, what was the Angelina Jolie movie? Unbroken. Unbroken. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, directed, yeah. she directed Mick Garris. Thank you for having me here, guys. And now we we didn't mention your podcast. Do so you have a podcast? A uh, podcast one. What's the name of that? It's called Postmortem with Mick Garris. We mm. wanted to call it Postmortem with Brad Pitt, but it didn't work. Yes, <laughs> didn't test well. No. <laughs> so that's a fairly new show, right? You've been doing. Yeah, we just recorded our tenth one, and it's every other mm. week. It's 
on iTunes and on Podcast One and all of that stuff, as you guys know. Now, nice. before we start talking about The Mummy, uh, we have to talk to you about uh, your attempts to write a Mummy movie. And <laughs> yes. uh, tell us about I not that. only attempted, I did write them, but yes. they just never got made. Yeah. So, but what now, what happened? Was that in between Brendan Fraser and now? Or like when was It was pre-Brendan Fraser. It was pre-Brendan Fraser. Oh, wow. Yeah. So tell us about what happened there. Well, I was, um, I had... Uh, directed The Stand and mm-hmm. was working on developing a film that uh, Stephen King wrote that uh, Steven Spielberg was going to produce. It was going to be a big budget studio movie that ended up falling apart. But uh, this was an Really? Assignment. In Hollywood? <clears throat> yes. Uh, go figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this was just something uh, George Romero had been developed. Well, actually, the first one I did was they wanted to do Clive Barker's The Mummy. That was all they cared really? about was Clive Barker's name in the title as the mummy mm-hmm. and uh, or doing the mummy. And so <laughs> he came up with a really typically Barkerian, uh, outrageous story about um, twisted sexuality that was based in a museum in Beverly Hills. <laughs> And so he had an incredible story. I want to see this movie now. I really want to see this mummy movie. I promise you want to see this movie. Uh, And so he he came up with the story idea and pretty much just threw the ball to me. And I did the screenplay Mm -hmm. uh, for him to direct. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was before he became so disillusioned with Hollywood that he never wanted to direct again. And it was very twisted and thought, this... Universal was never going to make this fucking movie. There's no <laughs> way in hell Universal is going to make Clive Barker's The Mummy. Do you know what you're asking for when you ask for Clive Barker's The Mummy? <laughs> so I wrote the script, got paid, uh, and as I imagined, it never got anywhere near production. And then a couple of years later, George Romero had been developing uh, The Mummy as a horror film and was they were close to green lighting it. But they still felt it was not quite in shape. He got a solid offer to do another Living Dead movie, mm-hmm. which they said, okay, if you're going to do that, then we have to move on without you in this. And he, he was very torn uh, because he loved this project, doing The Mummy. It and was what near was the story on the second one? Well, the second one, it was, we actually had... Was there a lot of deviant sexual behavior (laughs) on this one? Uh, Not with the the Romero one, not so much. (laughs) This was, but it was very much, it was a $15 million horror movie that the Mm -hmm. studio was very committed to doing. Mm -hmm. And they were close, and it it had Karis, and it had Imhotep both in it, Mm -hmm. and Princess uh, Aung San Amun. So it, it paid homage to the original Mummy movies, particularly the Karloff one, mm-hmm. a, as well as a couple of the sequels, but it was very contemporary and very horrific. Um, so we were close to going, uh, George was close to going to that. He decided he had to take the greenlit deal, and so he gave up the Mummy. The greenlit deal fell through, and after They wouldn't I, let you step in and direct it? Well, that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hired to come in, rewrite the script, and direct the movie at that mm-hmm. point, after George had already left and right. was embroiled in the other deal. So when that happened, I, I felt horrible about that, but I was well into the process of doing it. So I think I did two or three drafts of the script, and we I had done location scouting to um, British Columbia, which stands in beautifully for Egypt. Um, <laughs> so same climate, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I thought I was, you know, looking for pyramids, and there's just so never much sand up in Canada. <laughs> it's amazing. So um, that would have happened, except Sid Sheinberg, who was running Universal at the time. Um, was being relieved of his duties of running the studio, and they gave him a uh, parachute deal where he has a production company called The Bubble Factory, I think it was. And so he had a choice of any of the projects in the pipeline, so he chose The Mummy. And at first, it was going to be My Mummy, and then Stephen Summers came in and pitched The Raiders of the Lost Mummy that they ended up making with Brendan Fraser as a giant action-adventure uh, pseudo Spielberg film mm-hmm. rather than the little in, independent style horror movie that was going right. to be made. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened with The Mummy. There's a very long story <laughs> <laughs> about what happened to The Mummy. It turned into something. It morphed. 
Right, it sure did. Yeah, it just made all of us go, oh, man. Like, I, I wish you know, we would have had your mummies. Yeah. So do I. Even, even, yeah. the, even the Clyde Barker mummy I would have loved to have seen. I want to be all over. Yeah. I mean, That yeah. must have been so weird and crazy and it, creepy. It was, and Clive is the sweetest guy in the world. And we've worked together a few times, and he's such a great human being. And his well, most of the people within the genre that I know, and I know a lot of them, mm-hmm. um, are really wonderfully sweet human beings because they get it out. It's yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> it's the repressed ones you got to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> a guy that can create a character that's got nails in his face, he's not going to go nuts. No, he's no, no. Put he's it like, all right, no, it's all on the page. It's I'm good. Page. He's healthy. Yeah. He's, he's absolutely healthy. It's the people that tell you, oh, no, I'm fine. Yeah, Those people yeah. are fucking nuts. Next door, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're wing nuts. Yeah. Um, so now it's interesting, too, the... That direction for like Raiders of the Lost Mummy, like you said, because that's really what that movie is. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. it's a throwback to the c- c- serials of that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's with an action some adventure horror, movie with some yeah. horror elements to it, but ultimately right. it's an action adventure movie. Right. Uh, but you know, it worked. It was it, it was, was a huge success. It was a huge success. They made three of them, yeah. and it was. Um, I, I thought it was a fun time at the movies. It was a way to kind of reintroduce. You know that kind of world of mummy and action and Spielbergian, you know Raiders type uh, of a film. Um, the sequels not so much, but so much. <laughs> but I think the uh, the first one definitely had its charms for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, any of the movies we've been talking about were better than the movie we just saw oh, over the weekend. Goodness gracious! <laughs> um, I cannot believe how bad this movie was, and I don't even know where to begin. There were so many things wrong with this movie, and. Uh, one of the generalized problems was that um, this forced world building is like where everything has to be a connected universe now. It's like, well, this is the dark universe. We're going to introduce Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll, and now we're going to make him go Mr. Hyde for no reason at it's, all in this movie. And uh, it's and that's even just where to begin where this movie goes wrong. It, it's 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 well, awfully... Penny Dreadful did that well. You know, they got all of those interwoven. We also had well, League yeah. of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the comics, right. yeah, and yeah. there there were ways that actually to do it to put all this together properly. Um, this was not one of them. Uh, so you also have this like is like oh no it's going to be great we're going to have this homage to all these other movies that are upcoming and we're going to put teasers and you know all these these kind of like easter eggs and and none of them worked absolutely none like the creature from the black lagoon's hand in a jar all right I, I got it I got it a vampire skull but even just watching Russell Crowe ham it up so much to the camera it was like well, he's getting a lot of time. I think this is supposed to be a mummy movie, right? Why is Why is Russell Crowe in this so much? Why has it so suddenly much? become a Doctor Jekyll? Yeah, why is it a do- yeah, yeah? And uh, so, you, what you have to understand, um, Hollywood, is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is based on decades and thousands of interconnected stories that already exist. So there's a rather large amount to pull from. You know, it's a lot different than just throwing something together that you are like, well, we got to put this together. We got to put this together. We got to make this connect and we got to make this connect. And they don't always have to. You can make a mummy movie that's just a mummy movie. You really can. Well, the thing that's so insane about this is it's... and We again, haven't even started on Tom Cruise yet, but go ahead. I, I, well, I, again, <laughs> so much of the blame has to go to the giant corporate studio mentality that said, we need our universe. Right. Uh-huh. You know, Marvel's got one. DC's trying to get one. We got to right. create one. And yeah. again, you, you bring up such a great point. The Marvel universe... It's decades of every week. There's new Marvel comics being right. written. There's new, and there's all there's, there's. And they've always crossed over. They've always crossed over, and you have comic new comic book fans every day, going. There's a twelve year. There's a ten year old kid right now going in their first comic book store, going. Oh, right, Amazing Spider. Oh my God, this is awesome. This. Yeah. Has anyone been like? giving a shit about these other than horror movie fans than die hard like sure i watched the boris karloff movies on tv as a kid on a late night sven got whatever like okay but is there is are there tens of millions of people who are just like i want to see this interconnected again what the only thing this movie was missing was abbott and costello i know it's like really it really it, 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 any it, movie needs abbott and right. costello, of course. Yes. <laughs> you can always make a movie better with abbott yes. and costello <laughs> 
<laughs> in this case, you're absolutely oh correct. Oh my god! It's, and uh, just anything. This was one of it was like the Pirates of the Caribbean type storytelling too. It was like just well, just random events, random rules, and if we set up a rule, we're gonna break it. Like uh, all this. Okay, well, there's a magic dagger, but it's in two pieces. Uh, mummies can make zombies now. And uh, wait, Mercury taps down the power of mummies, and like it was just one random thing after another and then uh, and Tom Cruise in the middle of it um, playing a character that I don't even think he knew what he was playing uh, yeah I mean I, I just felt like all of these actors were like well <laughs> I'm right. gonna give it a shot here I'm gonna yeah. do my best instead of watching a movie it was like we talked about this before it was just like watching people at work like you know, if you watch somebody at a desk, you know, like or get your burger at a fast food place, it's like, uh, well, that's their job. You just, just bring look... your kids to work. Today. Yeah, it's really what it looked like. <laughs> it just looked like, well, I'm just watching people at work. They're not really doing anything that they're uh, passionate or care about. And it's uh, funny because because the real monsters in this movie are the people that made it. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be put back into a crypt. yes, yes. Well, because I feel like so so it was written by Christopher. Uh, Macquarie, who one of the one of the writers? Well, yeah, there was a yes. bunch of writers. You can't pin this on him at all. No. So he I think did... there are only three credited, but usually that means there's probably another six that weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. easy. And it wasn't directed by Alex Kurtzman. He's yeah, you know, the oh yeah, real uh, huge talent. Uh, the, Transformers. That's the, all you need to right. say. Right, and so. So uh, and the Star Trek Macquarie directed. Okay, you could say that again. <laughs> you, you could go through a litany of horrible things he's done. <laughs> Transformers, it's a fine universe. Uh, so Macquarie directed Tom Cruise and Jack Reacher and Miss an Impossible Rogue Nation, which is why the trailer made it everyone the joke online immediately when this trailer dropped was they were calling it Mummy Impossible. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> everyone made that joke immediately because right. it just looks like. If Tom Cruise could just do airplane scenes, I think he'd have a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it was. And that was the main part of the trailer was the airplane scene. Yeah, I can't even. I mean, we'll go into the detail in the spoiler up the specifics yes. of of what the problems were. I was mad watching this movie. It made me mad because it was such a missed opportunity. Too. Yeah, it could be fun. Like the the, the first Brendan Fraser movie, I thought was fun. Yeah, I, I was agree. Like, it was fun. Uh -huh. It was. I would love to see the darker versions. Make yes. that you worked on and talked yeah. about. Yeah, well, they were horror movies, right? You know? Right, and uh -huh. and. To decide, even back then, to make an action-adventure like they did. Now, I haven't seen The New Mummy, and it's unlikely that I will after right. meeting you guys. <laughs> but that's our, saved you like that's eight, our goal. Yeah, we saved you 12 bucks. Well, just the trailer gave me a push away right. from the movie right. theater, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because it's a big action-adventure movie, and that's not how I like my monsters, right. you know? Well, uh, and here's the thing. It fails as a big action-adventure movie, too. That's <laughs> what, like, worse. like, yeah, it not only fails as a horror movie, it fails as a big action-adventure movie. Um, and, you know, I I'll tell you, there's something about Tom Cruise, too. You know, when he does genre, it's always touch and go or hit or miss. Like, when you look at, like, a movie like this, he was completely, like, he didn't even belong in this film. Mm -hmm. uh, well, no one belonged in this film. But specifically <laughs> Tom Cruise. But also... The mummy. Didn't yeah, the mummy didn't belong in this film. <laughs> but if you look at Tom Cruise's other, like, genre pieces, everything from legend to, um, you know, interview with a vampire, it doesn't... He, he just has that... Kind of like everything from Risky Business to the Mission Impossible movies. Like, oh, that's that's where I want Tom Cruise. Or uh, Fourth of July. That's where I want American Tom Cruise. American Made, the American trailer Made. we talk about. Exactly. That's where, okay, I Cocaine see Tom pilot. Cruise in this movie. But anything, like, I don't know what happened where Tom Cruise just said, I want to do a monster movie. Or just Universal threw so much money at you him. It's like, we, we need, we need you in the Mummy movie. Universal said... Uni and bring your team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Universal said we're starting this dark universe thing. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna just throw stacks of money at everybody. And we're gonna make sure you know it's dark universe. We're gonna put it in the trailer. In the trailer. The and, it, and also in the opening credits. <laughs> yeah. Be, the Universal yes. the Universal thing rolls on the, the planet. You know, right. the Universal. And then oh, it turns dark and it yeah. goes dark universe. Yeah, even Marvel doesn't do that. Come on. <laughs> like we know, we know, we know what you're trying to do. Stop. So yeah, it it I was mad that. It, it's it's moments like this where I get mad about having to do this podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> Entertainment in, shouldn't enrage you. I know it yes. shouldn't. It shouldn't, right? Again, the, and again, again, like the first Brendan Fraser movie. I remember when that came out. It had special some special effects we hadn't really seen before. I was like, okay, great. It's like you said, it's Raiders of the Lost Mummy. Yes. Fine. Mm -hmm. It was a, it, it was, was fun. It was campy. It knew what it was. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Just like we talk about with. Uh, 
Wonder Woman or Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever. Right. They're they're fun movies. They maybe they try to make some points or some social commentary, mm. which is great. But the, ultimately, you they're got, fun and they're well put together with some with some love and passion. You got some two hours of escapism. That's what we've all right. ever wanted since the time we were kids to go to the movie theater and get. When yes. I'm sitting there mad and I was in comfortable seats, I was in a reclining. Oh my god, you were at the you were at the food. I theater? I didn't go to the food theater, okay. but I I. <laughs> I, I know Amy Miller's going to get mad at this. I did sneak in my hippie food into the theater because I, I can't eat a cheese pizza. Um, so I am in this comfortable chair because there's mm-hmm. there's some theaters near me where they have the reclining seats that aren't – they don't have a full menu, but they have really nice right. comfortable seats. So I'm like, well, then I'll enjoy this. Yeah. And I was just getting so mad and annoyed, and I was like, I could be – Did you find as the angrier you got, the higher you put the seat up? Like you, you <laughs> no, I put reclining. it lower. I was like, I hope I fall asleep. I was like, well, at least, at least I could get a comfortable nap in. But it was too bombastic for that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm sitting there going, you know, I could, I could see. I think it's in theaters that movie, The Hero with um, uh, Sam Elliott. You know that I've yeah. seen the trailer for that movie, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's getting a limited release or whatever. And I was like, God, I wish I was supporting that film. Right, and you know. Uh, I mean, even when you start off with this movie, like Tom Cruise, that like the the writers don't even know what what his character or job is. Like, all right, well, wait, you're a scout. Wait, you're a soldier. You're special operations. Wait, you're a treasure hunter. Wait, you're a thief. Like, what? Okay, um, can you pick one? Can you just well, you yeah, know, any of them? Yeah. What are, what exactly are you doing? And uh, my favorite part of the movie, though, this is not a spoiler, though was that um, they make a big deal of getting these antiquities out of these war zones where um, these are worth m- hundreds of millions of dollars. So clearly when they find the sarcophagus, this is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So um, when the plane crashes, which is in the trailer, um, there's two guys with flashlights looking for it. Really? <laughs> Hundreds of millions of dollars in yeah. antiquities. There's two guys with flashlights looking yeah. for it. Uh, that would have been like the Thor hammer with shield, just you know, creating <laughs> yes. this entire thing, looking for this this, <laughs> this thing that was worth hundreds of millions yeah, of dollars. It can't even... So I mean, and like, there's moments like that every five minutes in this film where it just like really, really. And we'll go into it more in the spoiler, especially the ending, which had me laughing out loud. Yeah, out loud. Um, I think I yelled, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, I think, and then these high school kids laughed. Yeah. Um, All the, right. The film's tagline, Welcome to the New World of Gods and Monsters, is a quote from Bride of Frankenstein, 1935, which was also produced by Universal. And they have all of these next films in the pipeline, Bride of Frankenstein. And uh, Mick, I'm sure you're aware of, like, what's in the pipeline for yeah, Dark Yeah, well, Universe. Bride of Frankenstein is being made by Bill Condon, who did Gods and Monsters with yes. Clive. Mm-hmm. And he has such a love and respect for I worked with him. I brought him in on a TV show I was uh, I, one of the producers of called The Others, which you probably don't remember. <laughs> but um, so this might be uh, this, Dark Universe versus Wonder Woman. I have hope. You know, <laughs> this could actually because maybe it'll actually be a gothic horror film. Right. You know, this is a guy who respects those roots, and and mm-hmm. obviously having touched on Bride of Frankenstein in Gods and Monsters, in depicting James Whale and all of that, that's about making Bride of Frankenstein. Right. And so. That's the kind of dark universe movie I want to see, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling it's going to be gigantic. And right. <laughs> you know, to me personally, the bigger the budget of a movie, kind of the less interested I am in it. Mm. Um, well, for horror, for sure, that's been definitely the, uh, for horror. The, that's definitely yeah. been the trend. The most interesting things that are going on in horror right now are by far indie. By far, uh, but yeah. but. Speaking of that, let's talk about the movie that you saw. It comes at night, which is an indie yeah. horror movie. Very much so. Very dark. Very grim. Second feature by yeah. Trey Edward Schultz, and it premiered at actually this year at the Overlook Film Festival, which I was at, but I didn't see it there. Mm-hmm. I saw this in my friendly neighborhood theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one thing is, though, nothing comes at night. Really? <laughs> <I kept> waiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I waited. It comes waited. in the afternoon. Yeah. Yes. It comes yeah. Yeah. Late Came for tea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very atmospheric, and that's what mm-hmm. it, it mostly has to offer. I'm, I'm a big fan of Joel, Joel Edgerton, who uh, yes. oh, yeah. is the lead actor in that. He's a great writer and director as well. The Visitor was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. So he and he just makes going. you uncomfortable when he's on screen. Yeah. I feel like in a good know, way. Yeah. yeah in a, but I, I just feel like when I see him on screen, he's just going to punch me in the face through the screen. <laughs> like, I just feel yeah. like. He just gives you that sense of unease yeah. uh, with the characters he plays. 
Well, the first time I saw him was in Animal Kingdom. Oh, that's uh, the yeah. Australian movie that gave mm-hmm. birth to the series that's on. Mm-hmm. But that was a spectacular movie. I mean, I just, I love that. That was the movie that really put him on, on, the, map. on the map in for America. Sure. We all saw that for the first time and went, who's this guy? Yeah, yeah. You know? and then to discover he's also a filmmaker right. and not merely an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's a really great force. This movie is surprising that it's, a theatrical release because it's very dark and very grim and uh, you know I'm sure that sounds it like was... it'd be a good VOD release yeah mm-hmm. um, but I I was surprised there were a lot of people in the theater when I saw it and mm-hmm. and just knowing that there are independent films out there whether they work for you personally or not and I liked I loved a lot of things about how this film was made and the like but it was surprising to see it get a theatrical release. And when a film of that size can do that, that's so good for the genre. So what's the basic story other than something doesn't come at night? Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, it's a post-apocalyptic story uh-huh. that centers on a couple who remain um, and a visiting family comes to their home out in the woods uh, seeking Um, safety from a virus that's killing everybody around. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very claustrophobic thing where they stay in this house to keep themselves protected for that. So that's basically it throughout. It's very simple, very lean, very stripped down. It's it's darkly lit, mostly by flashlights and things. So it's it's a very dark, Post post apocalyptic thing. Which, Do we know yeah. what the budget is? Because the, it it raked in about six million dollars its opening weekend. Well, then it's profitable. It couldn't. Yeah, have cost it could have cost more, more than, than that. More than a, Aaron, a, a can couple you pull of that million. Up? Yeah, because that's well, that's that. That's good to hear, and that gives me hope because that was sort of what I was unknowingly feeling was while I was watching The Mummy is I wish I was at It Comes at Night. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but well, like, opposite kind of attempts there. Right. I mean, one yeah. is very deliberate and slow and gets under your skin and the other one is, yay, let's go all every minute. But I, that, I, I, I agree with you that I'm beginning to feel unless it's something that it's in the hand, it's in the hands of Marvel or somebody or, or as we were both, you know, surprised by how good Wonder Woman was, like that. Unless it's something like that, where I know they know how to do big budget fun, right? Mm-hmm. So five million dollar budget, and the box office really? has done six. Mm-hmm. I would bet it costs less than five million. Yeah, um, because yeah. there's not much to pay for. There, there's no expensive names. There's mm-hmm. just one location above the line. Yeah, but that the only one would be Joel, and right. I don't know uh, what his salary would be. Maybe he got four two, million dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it was. It was four million. But I'll tell you, last my favorite movie of last year was The Invitation, which also was oh, that's in a one great location. Movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Our buddy Jay Larson's tense. in that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a fantastic film, and I've seen it three or four times, mm-hmm. and it's just a great story and it's great off-putting. acting, and it's it really takes you off-putting. places you don't expect to go. Right, and I'd much rather see that than than a $200 million comic book movie in my personal taste. You know? mm-hmm. That's a, it's a good thing, and I, 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 I want to get behind and support more of these movies. It's, I, I think, I don't know, I, I'm sort of split because I uh, ultimately I love the movie-going experience. I love yeah. going, and I would... I, I, and I want to enjoy both. I want to enjoy right. the big spectacle blockbuster movies yeah, and the Some are made for ones. popcorn. Yeah. Right. yeah, exactly. But I want to watch a cool, intense, right. low-budget drama that's really well executed because... That you know no studio would ever greenlight. Right. right. You know, that, that those are the movies that, you know, you want to see, too. And but, also, too, I think we've talked about a lot on the show. We talked about it in the Eric Griffin Show um, episode is... The low-budget director has to – they can't hide behind anything. They can't hide behind big effects and – Right. You know, or even big-budget stars kind of coming in and doing their big-budget star things. Like yeah, you they, can't buy your way into it. No, yeah. no. Right. And you have – so you have to tell a really compelling story. You have to do it with one location. And, and you've worked most, mostly with larger budgets and studios. Well, not really. I mean – Oh, you've both. done low-budget. Well, both. I've done a lot of television work, mm-hmm. you know, high-end television and low-end features. You know, right. I'm, I'm working on something now. Um, that is the lowest budget I've ever worked with. It's an mm-hmm. anthology with a group of other filmmakers. Mm-hmm. But you and can't our, say anything more about it yet? Uh, not yet. In, in, <laughs> in a week or two, I think we can. But, um, but you know, our editor 
has written and directed several features, and they're very well received, and they're really good. He's a really talented guy, but he makes his living as an editor, right? Because an independent filmmaker, if you go direct to video, which you know VOD and the like, how do you choose the wheat from the chaff? You know, uh, so the theatrical experience, particularly in the horror genre, is so important to have, and you rarely get it. It's mostly in the world of VOD, where mm-hmm. if you have a great setup at home, fine, but it's never going to be the same as a 60-foot screen and the, and no. the right. you know, Dolby Atmos and all of that stuff that you can do on a low budget, but it rarely gets in there because it costs so much to promote a movie these days. Right. Well, yeah, true, and I think it's a good point that it comes at night. Why it's amazing that it did get through is most of the wide release horror as you know is the sort of insidious 3 and th- those those movies PG13 yeah. yeah right which mm-hmm. it's really hard to be i mean you can be horrific and frightening and suspenseful with a PG13 oh we talk about this all the time where PG13 is a broad rating you yeah. know you've got the grudge and you've got ant-man we're both PG13 <laughs> yeah. movies yeah. you know there's a you know I feel like there should be something kind of in the middle like a PG-10 or something. Yeah, well, you know? like when we did Masters of Horror, it was made for television, but yes. Showtime aired it. But I was able to say to all these filmmakers, you have final cut. You can do whatever you want, and it went really far sometimes because sometimes when horror needs to be unfiltered, mm-hmm. and right. and not all of it. You can do the sixth sense and have a really tense, incredible story where there's not a drop of blood spilled. Mm-hmm. But then you get Takashi Miike coming in to do Masters of Horror, and that was the one episode they would never air, and Walmart would not sell. So, uh, <laughs> but but if you have somebody who really has a, you have vision, to get that one on bootleg somewhere. Uh, it's around. You <laughs> yeah. can get it. Yeah. But if you if you're working with a filmmaker with a vision and you have to put blinders on him, or you're working in a world of commercial television where you have to have uh, every seven minutes a Pampers commercial uh, or something, you know, it's it's really difficult to do, and to experience horror with an audience. Horror, like comedy, is best shared. Mm-hmm. It's right. not something you want to watch on your own on a 20-inch uh, kitchen TV. You know? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I've said there's a lot of similarities between horror and comedy. It's this. It's the same. It's opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah, they really. And, are. and and it's so it's hard. Just a different for, emotion. Yeah, the hybrids usually don't work, but when it does, like a, it hits, uh, yeah. American Werewolf in London or something, oh, where yeah. it's both scary and funny, yes. God, that's something to Oh, they're also got stole from, stolen from with uh, The Mummy. It's yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, really? oh, the funny friend who died, but then is, uh, comes back and uh, is giving advice. <laughs> the okay. Griffin Dunn character. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. Well, yeah, they, he was in The Mummy, too. Great. Um, <laughs> I'm just surprised they didn't cast Griffin Dunn. I mean, it's... <laughs> so... We have an ad. Oh. We have a new sponsor what? today. ZipRecruiter. Are you looking for uh, an employee? Actually, we are. We are looking we are. for an employee. As soon as we hit that $2,000 mark, we can uh, hire him. We need to use ZipRecruiter. Uh, so and we actually might use ZipRecruiter. Um, this is one of the, those companies that if you're looking for a job and you're trying to find the best candidates, and you know, there's a ton of sites online. But um, how about it's a great challenge to find great talent, and the importance of finding great talent is very important to your business. What ZipRecruiter does, it puts your job everywhere. It's basically a job aggregator. You put your job on ZipRecruiter, it goes everywhere. And, uh, it, and it doesn't matter what size business you are, all sizes, the most qualified job candidates, you'll get immediate results. Well, I was reading, too, like, you know, High-end jobs, they're having a hard time fill them, filling them. Yeah. Like manufacturing jobs and stuff like those, they're not a lot of those positions. But I, I read this thing in USA Today's business section uh, several weeks ago that it was like jobs that are like 100 grand or more, real specialty mm-hmm. jobs, they're, it's hard to find the right person for those. Because they're less qualified people for uh-huh. them. And th- uh, for uh, ZipRecruiter, 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in under 24 hours. Boom. So, and why don't you try it for free? Why don't you? Why don't you try it for free? Yeah. What That's are you, all. crazy? Yeah, come on, do it. All you have to do is go to ZipRecruiter.com slash CFN. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash CFN and try it for free. You got nothing to lose. Come on now. Do come it. On. You do, need it help. do it for your company. You need help with your business. <laughs> Otherwise, a bad mummy movie will yeah. come. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Universal should use a recruiter. <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, they should do it for like, uh, you know, 
film executives and stuff like that. Yeah, a zip dark universe. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, Uh, let's get to some trailers. Let's let's get to a movie that got me very excited, Black Panther. This one, um, again, Marvel, they just, they not not to make a movie, know how to make a trailer. Got me excited again. You wonder, like, well, how many you know new characters can I see, and how many times can I get excited about these superhero movies? The answer is every single time. Well, the thing I, I heard something cool that um, part of the the marketing that that Marvel is using. So Stan Lee, when he was first writing the Black Panther, like in the fifties or sixties, he took a lot of heat. People were like, you can't have a black superhero and all this stuff. So Stan Lee wrote within the Marvel world that. Uh, Black Panther has like more powers than anybody and and created all of these things whatever that what is it that thing you get from that from that country that has all the 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 Oh vibranium Vibranium yeah it <laughs> comes from there Stanley wrote all these mm-hmm. things cuz he was so pissed off that you know people were saying you can't have a black superhero and all this you mm-hmm. know racism cuz this is a, he that character was being written when Jim Crow laws were still in effect um so he made the Black Panther so powerful, and now we're gonna see it. We're gonna see. I, I, I'm just like bulletproof suit we saw in the trailer. Oh <laughs> man! And this whole secret world, the mm-hmm. opening dude who's like, you don't really know the truth, yeah. you know? It's I'm I'm that's, that's Gollum. Oh. That's that's uh, Andy Serkis. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, he's uh, you know he's a mocap actor. It's great to see him in not in makeup. Talking to Martin Freeman. Talking to Martin Freeman. I know. It was like just everything about that trailer made me excited. I'm excited. So, Mick, what, what did you think of that trailer? Well, 25 years ago when I was making Sleepwalkers, Columbia was developing Black Panther to make it back then. Oh, wow. And Do you think the trailer would have looked like that? I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. You know, it looks amazing. And I'm really glad to see movies like Get Out and Black Panther mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. representing a part of the the audience that has not been well represented mm-hmm. before, especially, you know, Wonder Woman did it for females. Mm-hmm. This for an African-American audience is fantastic. I mean, not to sound like the Hollywood liberal vegan that I am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's still, I mean, there is a social conscience at work here that can work in tandem with entertainment that I think is really important. And commerce. And commerce. It can't exactly. all work together. No, it's a, it's a yeah. great point because it's, you know, Hollywood, we've talked about this with, with Tyler Perry films, right? Mm. Tyler Perry wisely said, you know, people would tell him, oh, oh, you know, uh, black women don't go to the movies. He goes, you don't make a movie. You don't make movies for them. So he started making movies for that section of the population that has been completely underrepresented. And boom. And with a face, faith based uh, under. Yeah. Faith based under mm-hmm. Oh, the Christians don't go to movies. No, not yet. they will. Yeah. And so if you make a movie for them, if you make a movie for them. And so he's shown that. And I, I'm so glad that that. Black Panther is going to do that. The trailer looks like the majority of the cast is is African American, you know, Which like or African. Great. Like it's just mm-hmm. like that is like fantastic. We don't see that. He and especially like what you said since Wonder Woman. We talked a lot about it on the Wonder Woman episode. Mm-hmm. It isn't Winter Soldier frozen in Wakanda right now yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's. Uh, I'm. I'm. We're going to see. This is what Marvel does so well. It's connected to the Marvel Universe, but we're going to see an aspect of the Marvel Universe that we've never seen before, you know, told in a unique way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fired uh, up yeah. to see it. It, it. It's terrible that you have to even consider that part of the social aspect of it, right. that mm-hmm. we are specifically making a movie for an African-American audience. But fuck the reasons. It's great that it's there. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. and and may it lead to many more, and not just in the superhero universe, but across all genres. And uh, shout out to Todd Perry, who uh, is working on the uh, visual effects for the film. Yeah, it it uh, that's awesome. Yeah, he he was telling me he was asking me, how did you see the did you see the trailer yet? How'd you like the trailer? Because they uh, they have an incredibly tight timeline for uh, <laughs> for visual effects for all the Marvel movies. I can imagine. And mm. the other thing too that I love about again shows you how Marvel is really getting it. So it's Ryan uh, Coogler is the director, and now he did Creed and he did Fruitville Station. Oh, wow. Those are two fantastic movies. Fruitville Station is a great movie, and you want to talk about, I mean, it's an actual thing that happened and how he covered it, and it's the first time he he worked with Michael B. Jordan, who is also in this trailer, Mm -hmm. who's a fantastic actor. Chadwick Boseman's a great actor. So this is the thing that Marvel really gets. And he knows how to tell a story. Right. You know, not mm-hmm. just create a spectacle. Spectacle. So many of these are theme park rides and right. not movies. <laughs> yeah, and it lasts know, too long. <laughs> yeah, and, and so 
this is a filmmaker who started doing independent films telling stories and not doing spectacular explosions. And that's the thing that I think, you make such a great point, Mike, that Marvel does so well. They get good storytellers. Yes, it's going to have big budget because you are watching a summer popcorn. It is a superhero right. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know uh, it's going to it's gonna tell great story. There's going to be character arc within. It's not just talking between explosions just to get us to the next chase or whatever. And, and it's because they hire directors like this. You know, and it's – I'm so fired up for this, man. Yeah, they don't hire Alex Kurtzman. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, they do not. Uh or Justin Lin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, so uh, uh, the next one is actually Cars 3. And the latest trailer, The Limit, we saw. Now, I have to say I, I'm surprised I I find myself saying this. I'm actually a little more on board with this movie now. I have I did never like the first one. I didn't like the second. The second one was not very good. But this one, I feel like they went in a different direction of like a uh, almost like a, a Toy Story three where it's almost nostalgic and there's an air of melancholy to it and where, where you know even as a race car there's that allegory of like you know you're not going to be fast forever you're going to be slowing down people are going to be passing you your time is past um, so I really feel like it's going to kind of pull on those heartstrings a little bit so I'm a little more excited to see this movie than I thought I would be. So, um, although, again, I always say this, a lot of unanswered questions in the Cars movies, when did they become sentient and kill all the people? We still don't know (laughs) that. It feels like an animated Logan's run. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, God, that sounds damning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, any car that gets above 30 has to renew, renew. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It looks, I I, I must admit, I've never seen any of the Cars movies. Mm-hmm. This is the one I might see. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's interesting. I've never seen them either, but there's a thing about Pixar movies is that they're all better than they need to be. Yes. <laughs> really, that's... they have so much detail that if they didn't have it in, no one would notice. Mm-hmm. But there's, from the very beginning, there's been a layer of quality and ingenuity and Every creativity. Film. There's so much better up. It has so many oh, things yeah. going right. on in it. You know, so many of the films. Even their misses are, yeah. are like, like, well, it was still okay. Yeah, you they know? still swing for the fences. Yeah. Right. You know, the, this is a company that could get by with their movies being less detailed and less rich and less expensive. Right. But they go for what they think is the best they can, and the team is all contributing to in, something. And, in, inside Out even flipped the, uh, the formula a little bit. Yeah. Like, normally, in, these are movies like they're made for kids that adults can enjoy. I felt like Inside Out was made for adults that kids could enjoy. Yeah, really, there were so many layers to that movie. Um, so I, I, I'm actually a little more excited to see this now. When the kids want to see it, I'll be like, okay, yeah, let's go. So I'll be, I'll be seeing it this weekend. Uh, we also need to mention uh, Patreon uh, supporter Mike Valdez. For $50 yes. a month, you get your name and website read on every episode. So go to whoismikevaldez.com. <laughs> Check him out. Boom, mm-hmm. Mikey Valdez. So, um, oh, we're going to DVD and Blu-rays next. The Lego Batman. Oh, wait. Oh, before we do that, we got one more story we want to hear from Mick oh, yeah, about yeah. Uh, uh, Star- you have a connection to Star Wars. Well, yes. My first job in the movie business ever was um, as a receptionist for the original Star Wars back in 1977. And so one of my duties was doing the personal appearances by R2-D2. So I was the remote control operator of R2-D2, including the Oscars that year, which is the only Oscars I've ever been to and probably will ever attend. (laughs) I think it's a very safe bet. But I'm wearing a tuxedo with my Futaba remote control unit and in the green room watching watching Jack Nicholson leering at Olivia Newton-John, who's wearing a see-through diaphanous gown, and Betty Davis proclaiming after Diane Keaton won the Oscar for for Annie Hall. I don't believe it. I don't <laughs> believe it. So, so it was thanks to my friend R2-D2. You know? so, yeah, there's, there's a part of my life that's not particularly well known. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we could well, explore it here. Thanks for sharing it here. It here. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know we were going to get a Betty Davis impression yeah, on today's episode. This is fantastic. 
Well, I got my SAG card doing cartoon voices. So oh, that, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What cartoons did you do? No, it was just uh, Matt Frewer who was in the stand, and I became very close friends, mm -hmm. and he was the voice of the Max Pink, Headroom. And also the voice of the Pink Panther cartoons, the mm -hmm. TV cartoons, right. where he actually spoke. And so he invited me to come to one of the sessions. When I was a kid, I wanted to do cartoons. Mm -hmm. And um, so I watched, and at the end of a session where they've got all these actors at a table doing line by line for the cartoon, he had told the producers that I did voices because we were doing them uh, on set, on the stand all the time with Billy Corso, who was our makeup effects guy. We all did voices. And so they sat me in a little room and asked me to, can you do, what would this guy sound like? Can you do, what would a Mexican horse sound like? Things like that. <laughs> and I had no idea it was coming. What would so a Mexican horse sound like? <laughs> well, I did a singing Mexican frog in one of the cartoons. <laughs> So, yeah, after I did, like, 25 voices or something that I didn't expect to have an audition for something I'd never done before, they called me the next week and asked me to do a couple of cartoons for them. So that's how I got in the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, wow, fantastic. Nice. And that's something I've never talked about. That's yeah. fantastic. we got that, some good backstage yeah. Hollywood business. And all that stuff helps with podcasting. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be able to do... I'll learn you, from you. Do, do yes. it. <laughs> Give us a jealous Betty Davis. Give right. us a, yeah. I don't I, believe it. Yes. Now, as a Mexican horse. <laughs> I don't well, he believe. only whinnied. The yeah. frog oh. sang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So um, let's talk about now DVD and Blu-ray. The Lego Batman movie came out. Um, I know you didn't see this film. I did not get a chance to see this. Uh, I saw it with my kids, and it was kind of a retread of... Uh, the other Lego movie. Oh, really? It really was. It really felt like it was kind of the same movie. It's just kind of focusing more on Batman. Um, but I will say this. It uh, got the Batman character more right than Zack Snyder ever did. <laughs> so Lego Batman movie. Nice. More Batman than Batman. <laughs> so uh, John Wick Chapter 2. We were talking about this before. I, I didn't get a chance to see this in the theater. I want to see it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, the thing I've always I want to make, I want to make a Jang, uh, a, a John Wick, Jack Reacher mashup. Yeah. <laughs> where without a mummy, we, we where Keanu and uh, Tommy Cruise go yes. out and and Wick and reach it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we'll call the movie Wick and Reach It. Now that's an extended universe I could get behind. Yes, the, yeah. the Reacher Wick the, the, extended yeah. universe. The Reacherverse. <laughs> The Dudaverse. Yeah, it's a yeah. total Dudaverse. <laughs> so, yeah, go see Jack Wick, Johnny Reacher, whatever. I and, forget their names. And uh, I want to talk about this. There's a, a very fantastic column on the site right now. We finally got Jackie Cation to write something again. Mm -hmm. uh, she wrote a very long, uh, wonderful uh, column about Wonder Woman and navel-gazing <laughs> and about um, you know why we're having the reactions to this film that we're having, uh, why some of those reactions are stupid. Right. And uh, why some of them are correct. And the thing I love about Jackie is she is not stingy with her opinions. <laughs> so it is a great read. Check it out. It is on the site right now. Uh, Jackie Cation. It's Wonder Woman and Naval Gazing. Uh, fan feedback. We've got some comments from the videos that came out this past week on YouTube. Uh, Sarah Smith. Um... <laughs> so we did that. We talked about the American Made trailer uh, mm -hmm. last week and and. Sarah Smith wrote, Tom Cruise is not wearing a wig in American Maid. That is his hair. Sarah seems very adamant about this fact, and uh, a lot of cap letters in this. So All right. Thanks, Sarah. Well, that's Inside his, knowledge. <laughs> that's his hair. Okay. You know what? I have no reason not to believe her. Well, I would offer that my—I I don't know. I hear that, and I feel like I'm Betty Davis going, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's Not it. with an accent. Yes. <laughs> um, Lady at Giggles uh, just writes, uh, Wonder Woman movie is awesome. Well, right on. <laughs> Thank you guys for making those posts and comments on. Uh, be sure to go to uh, YouTube.com slash Comedy Film Nerds, and we release a new video just about every day. We'll take this episode and cut it up. New little uh, pieces. Little pieces. Frank Pulaski's been doing that. Yep. Over on the beautiful island of Maui. There's going to be a great Star Wars remote control piece. <laughs> Hopefully we can, he can drop in a Betty Davis right. uh, pick from the 1977 Oscars if he can find it online. Yeah, Frank can find anything Frank online. Frank can find anything online. Uh, so and premiering this week, uh, like we said, Cars 3. I am more excited to see this than I thought I would be. 
Uh, Rough Night looks like another ensemble comedy. Everyone's trying to recreate the bridesmaids, like mm-hmm. lightning in a bottle kind mm-hmm. of thing. We'll see if this movie succeeds or not. It could be. Um, it could be, yeah. Uh, 47 Meters Down. This is the shark movie that the trailer is just hilarious. Whereas it's like, oh, well, the sharks are aliens. This is the way they're oh, acting. They're, they're... they're just they're, they're computer-generated aliens, and they're acting like, you know, like no shark, whatever. And everyone but, dies like... in the trailer, yeah. apparently. I mean... Yeah, or they're in a tornado. It, it, that's what it feels <laughs> like. Sure. Well, it's Sharknado underwater. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it really has that feeling of like, okay, well, I think we just saw all the jump scares in one trailer. Yeah. So I'd rather watch a Sharknado movie. As a as a horror filmmaker, when you saw, have you seen the Forty Seven Meters Down trailer? I have seen the trailer. Okay, yeah. and what was your reaction? Mate? Well, the the guy who made it, Johannes Roberts, uh, mm-hmm. is actually a very talented filmmaker and mm-hmm. and a friend. I don't know him well, but met mm-hmm. him at a film festival and the like. And um, I'm gonna go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have high hopes so, for it. So let me yeah. ask you this then. So yeah. since you know him and you know he's a, he's a capable filmmaker, yeah. when you see a trailer like that, do you think, oh man, the studio cut this dumb trailer? It's probably better than this. I have a feeling. Yeah, I have a feeling mm-hmm. it was made more independently than as a studio type movie, and I believe it was his idea and his script. And so, who knows? Who knows? Well, I'm, see, when I'm I, hopeful. When I hear that, okay. then I want to go see it. Yeah. Right. When I just see that trailer, and we talked about this a lot, we call it trailer side. Yeah. When there's a good movie, and they and they the marketing department or whatever yeah. cuts completely together this misses tra- it. Yeah. This trailer or it shows too much. Like I feel like we saw. Okay, they're at a party. They go down in the water. They get stuck. The sharks start to attacking. They're about to get out of the water, and then a shark's grabbing them out from getting out of the water. <laughs> so that's how much more of the movie is there. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. what did you think of The Shallows? I haven't seen The Shallows. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I didn't see that. Okay. I surf, so I'm not a big <laughs> – I can't watch a lot of shark movies. Well, it's a one-woman versus shark movie. So yes. A, a one woman in a tiny bikini versus shark. Blake Lively going toe-to-toe with the shark. For 90 exactly. minutes. Yep. I feel like I, I kept thinking I was going to – I just haven't been traveling as much because there's a lot of movies I would just well, go – because of the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I can't. They're chasing me, Chris. <laughs> but there's so many movies when I was traveling more – I was like, oh, I'll just see that on a on a plane. And now that I haven't been, I'm like, oh, I, I've missed all these plane movies. I've missed all yeah. these fantastic plane movies. Some right? of them are at their best on a plane. Of course, yes. it's not like I feel like the shallows would be like, oh, thank you for getting me to the East Coast. That's definitely a Delta movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and the last movie coming out is All Eyes on Me. This is the Tupac Shakur uh, biopic. So it looks pretty interesting. It looks interesting to me, mm-hmm. and I—I I mean, just from a casting standpoint, the guy they cast looks, looks exactly, exactly like exactly like Tupac Shakur. Tupac Shakur. Mm-hmm. So that I'm interested to see. Um, I don't know if they <laughs> find out later with the you know it's all prosthetics, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or is it like what they did with Straight Outta Compton where they just got Ice Cube's kid? Is it like right. Tupac's <laughs> kid? You know, like maybe they did that. I don't know, but it looks interesting. And in yeah. the vein of of Straight Outta Compton, it's it's and that's the I was in. You know, college and listening to a lot of rap when all that stuff was happening and in the 90s. So it's an interesting era to cover. And there was all this controversy around gangster rap and everything. And so I'm curious to see how the filmmaker handles it. I'm actually like, I'd like to see Mm -hmm. that. All right. Well, that is our show. Yes. Uh, Mick Garris, where can people find you online, your show, upcoming projects? Well, the show is called Postmortem with Mick Garris. It's on iTunes. It's on Podcast One. uh, And it's every other Wednesday a new episode comes up. So next week we'll have Neil Marshall on. But Mm -hmm. the other nine are, of course, available anytime. Uh, And uh, you can tweet me at postmortemmg. Uh, Mick Garris interviews has all dot uh, com has all of the old Z Channel interviews from oh, wow. like 1978, 1979. Mm-hmm. People like Jamie Lee Curtis and William Shatner and William Friedkin and oh, Steven wow. Spielberg, all of these people. And then uh, and we this also, is uh, this has been a hobby for you. You're actually a, a yeah. filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And it's uh, I mean at that point I wasn't. At that point I was mm-hmm. a, a journalist and hopeful screenwriter and the like and and. Mm-hmm. So meeting those people uh, under those circumstances, and then who knew years later that I would be working for Steven Spielberg as a writer and director and things wow. like that. So, mm-hmm. But it's also got the postmortem TV interviews that I did for Fearnet, and it has a link to the postmortem uh, um, 
podcast as well, working on this uh, feature film that I can't talk about much for another week and a half or so. But it's the anthology? Yeah, very, very exciting project with amazing people involved. Um, and uh, I'm actually going to go up to Vancouver and direct an episode of Once Upon a Time in, uh, oh, wow. in August, awesome. so that mm -hmm. should be great. And going to a film festival in South Korea next week, uh, next month. So great. life is, is Busy. hectic. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, writing books, making movies, television stuff, and, mm -hmm. and the podcast, I need to keep busy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to be busy. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, everybody, yeah, go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds. Yep, get please your name support in the, credits, the show. Support uh -huh. the show. We're being able to do more stuff. Listen to the Mummy spoiler app. You get it early if you're a Patreon backer. Yes. And get uh, anger early. Get anger early. <laughs> you can, um, if you want to listen to my. Uh, Burn the System Down uh, Political Vigilante YouTube show. Yeah. You can listen to that. I have a Patreon. You can support that. Uh, and and so I don't just you know I don't know how you're uh, dealing with this lack of material that you're getting from our political <laughs> yeah. There's nothing system. going on. Yeah. Everything's pretty I mean, solid. There's, there's nothing to talk about. Pretty decent. Things yeah. are good. every day. It's quiet. It's quiet. There's no. There's God no. bless America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great place. Oh, we can announce this. We will be at Comic Con again. Yes, we um, are. We just got the confirmation. We're doing the Kung Fu Extravaganza with uh, our Kung friend. Fu Movie Superhero oh, Extravaganza. Absolutely, <laughs> Rick Myers. This is his twentieth year. Yeah, it's going to be a very special twentieth. Special. anniversary year. Eric Jacobus is on the panel mm -hmm. amongst others. If you can go, if you can get a pass to Comic-Con. Thursday night. Thursday night. It like 8 is... to 10.30. It's the longest panel at Comic-Con, I and think. It's the, every year we learn cool stuff. Yeah. Rick always brings in it's cool clips. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's, it's such a blast, and Rick has really been, uh, you know, really gracious over the years to kind of let us come in and help and yep. be a part of it and it's we have a blast every single time uh graham myself and neil will all be down there uh, and um it'll be it'll be a lot of fun yeah mm -hmm. some cool stuff and i probably be down there doing uh, i might be doing some stuff for rotten tomatoes so i'm gonna be around all week it'll be it'll be a blast down at san diego so yeah you'll be ready to come home after four days <laughs> yes i will i'm gonna surf my way back <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like i can't be around any more nerds I i'm done <laughs> I need I need a break. I'm gonna have to serve somewhere <laughs> just, to, just to go do it. So, all right. Uh, thank you, Mick Garris, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Sean Merrick, uh, who used to be our intern, and then worked mm -hmm. at Sideshow, that now works at uh, Podcast One. He set this whole interview up. Yeah, he he's did. my producer. Yeah. He's your producer. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. the man who made this happen. Thank you to uh, our producer, Aaron Brungart. Uh, thank you, Aaron, for bringing your R to your last name this week. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, and, of course, Brenton, who does the social media, when you see those cool clips that come out of all things comedy that then we repurpose. Brenton's doing them. Brenton's mm -hmm. doing them. Uh, and everybody here at ATC that's uh, allowing us to do more cool content. Without without the ATC studio, guys, there would be no uh, clips on the YouTube There'd channel. There'd be no video. Because um, we didn't get to that video buy your own equipment tier. We, didn't, on, uh, <laughs> we skipped it. Because, you mean there's yeah. cameras here? Like, yes. Ooh, <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, whatever you do, don't see the mummy. Yes. Yeah, we just saved you some time and, and money. And if you want to hear us yell about it even more, listen to the spoiler yeah, app. It, I think it'll be even better if you haven't seen the movie to listen to the spoiler app. Yeah. <laughs> it'll save you the, it'll yeah. save you the when time. You, you'll be going, what? That didn't really no. happen in that movie. That couldn't have happened. Um, Somebody wouldn't have filmed that and then went print. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> the budget is like a hundred some million, and it made like thirty over the weekend. So, which is more than it should have. Yeah, and a it'll lot have, overseas. Yeah, yeah, I know. It'll, it'll make its money. It'll back. have that precipitous drop off, especially here, where it'll you know you know when when word gets out, like all right, everyone who wants to see it has seen it. Now we're done. It'll go down to like you know five million. It'll next still week. make profit. It'll make it'll make some money. Yeah, That's well, disappointing. Yeah. Tom Cruise doesn't matter what he's in; he'll make money. <laughs> That's his natural hair. <laughs> that is. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show. <laughs> Unless you have more to say about Tom Cruise's hair. I don't have anything more to say about Tom. I think his hair speaks for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, I have nothing more to say about Tom Cruise's hair. Big shout out to TC's hair, everybody, at the, in the, <laughs> the comedy but, film nerds land. Oh, I did want to mention this oh, one thing is that people have been emailing about how the graphic novel is going. Uh, long ago and far away. It's coming along. We just hired a professional letterer to actually uh, get it going a little bit quicker. So right now the inking is almost done on the entire thing. We'll be starting coloring and lettering. And also uh, I want to announce it'll be really cool. Mark Wade is going to be doing the foreword to the oh, book. Oh, wow, that's so awesome. So it'll be really cool. That's so great. Mm -hmm. He said... Uh, um, 
what did he said something I was like well I can't guarantee it'll be uh, long but it'll be sincere so I uh, emailed back is like no I want it uh, long and insincere yeah, I want so, it long <laughs> and insincere yeah. misspell your name yeah <laughs> Outstanding. So uh, yeah, we're a little behind for sure, but you know it's uh, we're doing it's it's a two man shop, so we're doing it as fast as we can. So fantastic. Uh, uh, that's where we're at. Thanks for listening, everybody. My name is Graham Elwood, and I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember Han, Han shot, shot first. first Mexican horse. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>